You may kill me, but you may never insult me. Who am I? I'm Kevin Jack Sparrow. Get the truth about movies on the movie show. If he were telling the truth, he wouldn't have told us. <laughs> Tell them, Sparrow! Unless, of course, he knew you wouldn't believe the truth, even if he told it. Mm -hmm. Hello? Joey, it's Ross. I need some help. Help has come your way because you are listening to the movie show. What is up? Hello. This is the movie show. On... Active FM. <laughs> Ryan, you know that's normally your thing, right? And your uh, favorite ORSPS. My name's Ryan. Mansesh. Yes. And welcome to another <laughs> hateful movie show. No. Funny though, there was often in watching this film that I literally was like, I hate this movie. <laughs> really? The first part of the film until the killing spree at the end I loved I enjoyed it yeah there were moments that I loved it there were moments that no, I hated it and then after doing research I completely have so much respect for this film I'm so confused I feel like Quentin Tarantino is the only person who can achieve this movie had me glued in and then at the end when all because the first thing I thought was like, okay, there's not much swearing. This is great. I'm enjoying this. There's not much this. This is good. There's not much that. This is fantastic. Each character is like brilliant. I love it. And then at the end, uh, like the tension hypes, everybody's emotions hype, and then the swearing comes out, the gore comes out, the blood. And they're Can even I laughing say while they're hanging the ladder. Yeah, like, no. <laughs> Can I actually say the gore got to me? I think this this was the... That's what I'm saying. This was the first time I was actually like, okay, no, this is a little bit... This is a little bit too... For me, it was when um that guy, Channing Tatum's character, is shot and... Yeah, from there. He goes... So <laughs> his sister... As she's the only, well, not the only female, but she's she she's like the main. She's the prisoner the whole film. Yeah. And then at one point he say he's trying to save her, but then he gets shot in the head by Samuel L. Jackson. I think. I would also shoot. But him. literally, his brains and every he go all over yeah. her, and like she screams because now she's covered in her brother's insides. But you know what? Yeah, her, his brains. <laughs> like she's had such bad luck with stuff all over. her. Yeah, shame. I mean, she got vomited on. At that point, I'm like, she's also going to get poisoned now, but she didn't. So, Quentin's idea of this movie, w which matched, I was just like, okay, that makes a uh, And I think, I think his idea worked well. And it's what... Because, number one, this movie, the length of it, the... The, the tension, mm, the tension yeah, yeah, of the film. Yeah, there was tension, yeah. Like, there wasn't a lot of quick shots and action, but he, he the characters build so much tension. So, a bad, a guy with, with a bad attitude shows up in a situation. And then there are four mysterious guys that nobody knows, and everyone is a, sus is a suspect, and you can't trust anyone. At the end of this film, there's no hero and there's no moral center. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's, that's a perfect description. That was his. That was his description of the film, and the fact that you didn't know who everybody, who anybody was, you couldn't trust nobody. I'm like, everyone's a suspect. It was. It was a murder mystery. I feel like. <laughs> At one point, I was like, okay, no, we're on the murder mystery vibe type of thing. Yeah. So I like, it was a, th this movie was not like any other Quentin Tarantino movie that I've watched. Mm. It, honestly, it stands alone by itself. There, there's like different emotions. It's, it's just, you're like, okay. And can I, except, except. It is, I'd say the, the film it's most similar to out of Quentin Tarantino's is Reservoir Dogs, which was his first film. The, the, it's got the most similarities to that film as it's opposed true. to a Quentin Tarantino yeah. film. Because the reason I say that is, so uh, first of all, Quentin Tarantino did say there were two movies that he got inspiration from for this movie. The first movie was The Thing, which was a horror, sci-fi horror, where Kurt Russell was actually in The Thing. And it was the only movie that Quentin Tarantino showed the cast. But the second movie that he was inspired by was Reservoir Dogs. Mm. And I know that it's, you, can't, you, you could 
argue but a director can't be inspired by his own movie mm. to when making another but he really was and for me i, I got it pace. yes it's, it's the long same dialogue yes. long shots plus it takes place in like one location mm. The, the the film takes place in one true. whole like the, obviously it starts off with them on the road mm. which Reservoir Dogs was sort of the same it started at the diner the main event is outside of the timeline of the film yes like what everybody did yes and then it's now just about these these characters that are stuck together circumstances have caused them to be stuck together for a long period mm. of time but at the same time the film the film's events obviously there's a flashback involved but the film's events take place in the span of a day that's that's this it's not yeah. it's not a two-week length story it's it's literally like what happened in a day if it's, a, it's not even a complete day it's more no. like an afternoon yeah. into evening into evening yeah you don't know how late it went but most probably by, by midnight yeah yeah which Reservoir Dogs was the same. Yeah. So it's it's plus the other reason I say that was Reservoir Dogs. This is a spoiler, so spoiler alert. Reservoir Dogs ends with every single character that you meet in the film dying. Actually, no, not every. So Reservoir Dogs was slightly different. There was like the cop friend that didn't die, but in this film, I think about it, Ryan. Every character that you meet in the Hateful Eight dies. Well, we don't know about the last two. <laughs> You can't say for for sure. They were like lying there, for me, preparing to die. For me, that's the you know in every one of uh, Quentin's films, there's a mystery. Like did so and so always you know with this because they, I mean they could have. But wait, wait, wait medically wait. probably so, but you don't know. You don't. You can't say how for long, sure. How long can you survive with a but gunshot wound bleeding you, out? But what if somebody stopped by there? If there was a blizzard. And who Are you saying it's impossible that somebody could have come? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not saying impossible. A blizzard like that. Well, Think about it. Remember Obi, the, the carriage driver, goes out. He has to throw yeah. the guns down the wall or whatever. He, he literally went out for like, what was it, five minutes max. And by the time he gets back, he's almost frozen to death. And he's even mad at them and says to them, I almost died okay. doing that. So the possibilities are very, very slim. What what if the gunshot wound in the, the sheriff the sheriff's leg? Maybe there was a medic kit. You don't know. Leaving someone alive. Come on, let, let's look at horror films. Leaving any usually it's like you know that line. You should have killed me. Mm. You should have made Charles. I mean, come on, Thor. I mean, not Thor. Uh, Thanos. You should have gone for the head. You know, it's that thing of as long as he's alive, he's still alive. And you never know what's going to happen. That's us. I'm like, okay, so did they make it? Did they? You like left them there still? They, they didn't like. Ugh. Okay, if it's Marvel and uh, there's green and purple men walking around, no, they didn't die. If it's reality <laughs> and there's a blizzard outside and they say yeah. we're stuck here for the next two to three, four, five days, depending on how long the snow stays mm. in, and it's not the modern, it's not modern times. It's back way then when the medical. You know, and and these two guys are bleeding to death and not doing anything yeah. about it. They're lying on a bed, smiling about a letter, a fake letter from <laughs> no, Abraham not even, Lincoln. No, not even the letter. It's the woman <laughs> hanging. No, no, no. But after the woman gets hung, they laugh about how Samuel L. Jackson's character wrote a fake letter from Abraham Lincoln. I think they died personally. Just, just my personal opinion. There's a big percentage that they did. Yeah, very big. But there's still a percentage that they didn't. But that that we'll never know. That's just one of and those things that Quentin, yeah. yeah. Quentin can literally yeah. leave people arguing about yeah. something that we will never know. So I watched the channel. I, I watched the channel. Yes, I did. I watched the channel. That's the right way to put it. I'm, the whole I'm, channel. I'm correct. I watched, there was a channel on YouTube. Yes. Uh, where it was uh, things wrong with, um, the hateful eight. with the hateful eight. And basically at the end, he summed up and he said, so the next people to stumble across uh, this, this stop Eesh. will stumble upon a hundred, like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of corpses. Yeah. Lucky them. Hopefully they don't uh, try to drink out the well. Or the coffee. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> it's the coffee. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> Yeah, but I also 
had that thought though what what would happen if you arrived at like because it was a haberdashery who knows you arrive at a haberdashery and there's literally how many corpses were there yeah. there were more than eight because there were eight people that all ended up Okay, there's two people that might still be alive, but six other people definitely dead. Plus, there's people mm. in the wild that are dead, which was like four people. What? Or yeah. I mean, we don't think about that when it comes to wells, do we? We just like drink out the well. We're just like, nah, it's fine. It's I don't well. think I've ever drunk out a well. Is it? You've drunk out a well? No. Well, <laughs> I've had uh, well. bore water before. Yeah, that's very similar. Okay. I think, I think it's very similar. Although, I, mean, I suppose the whole. But I mean, who else is drinking out that water? Who else is connected? <laughs> anyway, that's a deep That's why right you boil there. your water before you. you drink it, people. Always boil your water. Always boil your water. You but this channel picked up 84 things which made sense. But anyway. Look, 84 things wrong. 84 things that, that didn't actually make sense. Oh, really? But I, I don't think that's the highlight. Like, obviously, there's, yeah, no. there's going to be missed stuff. Every film's going to. If gonna... you really want to get sticky about stuff. Yeah. And then he picked up the N-word was used 59 times in that film. And that was referring to, okay, mainly Samuel yes. L. Jackson. It was quite hilarious because what he did is he literally cut out, he played through all the parts where a lot of the word was used and then he muted it and put another word there. So, for example, <laughs> doctor, hamster. And you say, we're a big pile of hamsters. We were found. <laughs> and so it was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So Do you know that the script um, for this film leaked online before they made it? And so Quentin didn't actually want to go through uh, with making it. Instead, he said he was going to adapt it and just release it as a novel. But then cool. the um, there was a brief reading in LA yeah. and the cast was stunned and got so excited for the film and then Samuel L. Jackson persuaded Quentin to actually go ahead and make this film. Go Samuel. Yeah. yeah. So that was... He was like on another level. He was. Because especially the fact that Quentin described him as a guy with a bad attitude because... Oh, was he the guy with the bad attitude? Yeah. Oh, he was. I he was thinking Kurt him. Russell. You think, okay, you can trust he, him. Yeah, Shane, Samuel goes, L. Jackson was actually just in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> like out of all of the... Like like Kurt Russell's character, had, there, yeah. was, there was direction. Like he was taking this chick yeah. to... Uh, what was it? Red... Red, red, red rock. rocks to yeah. be ha to be hung. <laughs> all the other guys, they were actually gang members, just you know trying to and save they were her. All in it, all except for shame. That, and, and then that also old guy, the, the old colonel, whatever. Yeah, that the old, old dude. They just that that was like pure coincidence. Mm. Like, and then Samuel L. Jackson just happened to be stuck in a blizzard at the wrong time with the wrong group, and then ended up possibly dying because of it. Possibly dying, yeah. So like I said, the film had me, and then when when the shooting, when the end part happened, where a lot of people die, I was just like, okay. Even that one scene where where Samuel Jackson describes what he did with that Colonel. Oh, that, son, I hated that scene. The, the problem is, uh, yeah, it was very. It was very. It was very visual. <laughs> you couldn't get more visual. And even if you turned your eye away and you just listened to what he said, it was a, It was extremely yeah. So I was just like, I think from there, I was just like, uh, okay. And then like the end part, I was just like, and then I had to go to bed after this. I had to go, <laughs> I had to close my eyes and go to sleep. I think I stayed awake for about half an hour after that, just trying to think of. Happy thoughts. Yeah, because it, it was that Quentin Tarantino, you know, just the blood and the way Which is exactly how Reservoir Dogs left you. You were just like. <laughs> the worst is when they're laughing or they're hanging. <laughs> 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 they're like, it's like, it was like such a pleasure for them to ah, die. <laughs> the, I think that is one of the things that's disturbing about. And the camera was Quint on a close up on it for quite a while. Yeah. While she's like. <laughs> yeah, she's like. <laughs> and I'm just like. Was very good how they got got it. Uh, they got it to you know the her teeth. The, the makeup because the, the one part like her teeth got the front teeth get and they weren't broken out. The, the, yeah, they weren't knocked out. Like they were the half. They were yeah. broken. I was just like, can I just say sh she? So she starts off having a black eye, like a black yeah. eye. Like she, and the minute you see the, it, you're like, Ooh, you're, what's what going the on hell? Here? Yeah. And she's got this like black eye. And she, I was watching an interview. So the person who played, her name was Daisy in the film, yeah. is uh, Jennifer Lee. So she said that on, on the first day of shoots, obviously she's got this black eye. So she takes a selfie of herself and sends it to her mom and literally said to her mom, this is as good as it gets. Because as the film progresses, she just gets, she, but, She's literally just covered in blood. By the end of the movie, she's Vomit. just 
There's blood, vomit, blood. Her teeth brains. are knocked out. She's got brother's her brother's brains. brains on her. Like her foot gets shot. Like by the end of the film, <laughs> like the the interviewer is still saying like he respects actresses who are willing to go into a film without makeup. Like where there, there's like a natural, you're not being like prettied mm. up or anything like that. Like he respects that. But now for her, like she went like 10 steps above that where it wasn't just, you know, no makeup, like natural. It was like, like, super bloody and like black eye and like just gore and like imagine being on set every day with that like yeah no it was was very intense one thing that also stood out i must say so as much as i didn't this is the problem with this movie i didn't like it (laughs) i didn't like this film i would say it's it's from a storyline perspective, it's it's lower on the list of my mm. favorite Quentin Tarantino films. I, yeah. I, and I realized one of the things that I enjoy about movies is a redemptive arc. That's one of the reasons. So if I look at all of my top movies, often there's a redemptive arc with the character. The reason I probably don't like this type of film is because there's no redemptive arc. So in other words, you're saying, what if the two did survive? They didn't hang her. They took her to Red Rock. To meet her fate. Because <laughs> all the gangs are. Even the hangman, he was like quite cruel, actually. I like, yeah, Kurt Russell's character was. He was, he was cool. Kurt Russell's got a very. Kurt Russell's a brilliant actor. Very, uh, he's got a very distinctive type of character that he plays. Mm. This very strong. But kind of all character. of the actors were strong in this. Mm. Like, there's Samuel not. Samuel Jackson is like on another level. That's why I respect Quentin Tarantino, though, as a director, because mm. I honestly feel like he pulls performances out of people. Mm. So, like, like I, I've said this before, Samuel L. Jackson is a good actor, and you watch him in like other movies, and he's good. You know, he's he's an actor. But then you watch him in a Quentin Tarantino movie, and it's like a performance like you've never seen before. For yeah. me, Brad Pitt's greatest performances are always in Quentin Tarantino movies. Mm. Even Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio is a good. He's a good actor. He's very good, mm. and I enjoyed him also in like like a Baz Luhrmann film like he's good but there's the I don't know if you remember his character in Django like the the acting you didn't uh, even really recognize you actually forgot that it was Leonardo DiCaprio that's the thing both in um, Once Upon a Time and also in uh, Django and for me when you forget that Mm. a person is acting that's when they've really like mastered the 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 craft really? do you understand yeah. what i'm saying because now you're you're not thinking i'm watching a film you you've been pulled in so much and I, I have to i have to say this film is good from the perspective of it the feeling the emotion it evoked in me so the fact that it got do you understand what i'm saying for me when a film is able to evoke certain emotions no, within I was you glued, eh? that's I, I, the thing and then at the end of it, you're just like ah. Oh. Oh no, oh, this is a mess. <laughs> this is a bloody mess. Eh? <laughs> Excuse the pun. Oh, I just went to, I was just like, Talking okay. about blood. Do you know that Quentin Tarantino invented his own blood? Like his own recipe. His own, they, he has a, a recipe for blood because obviously he often uses like a it's huge a, a amount. Bit more brown. Yes, there's a certain up. color of red mm. plus the, the texture itself yeah. and obviously the way it like. Mm. S- Boots and splatters mm. around that there's literally and also the amount obviously the amount of blood told me that those two guys have a high possibility of not surviving because they were like all over their hands and even when samuel jackson was moving in the bed you could hear you could hear how much he had bled and how he's just <laughs> yeah <laughs> see right i told you those two yeah. ain't surviving yeah. but he literally invented his own blood but back to the soundtrack so do you know that yeah. the guy that's did the soundtrack the music for this movie did the music for the good, the bad, and the ugly? That's that's how far back he goes. So he's a very big Western, specifically like Western oh, wow. movie soundtracks. Ooh. He's done a lot of it. He also did the soundtrack for Django. Uh, for his name's um, Ennio Morricone, something that's probably not how you pronounce his name. But anyway, so he's a composer, and he actually um, was quoted as saying that he will never work with Quentin Tarantino again after how his music was handled in Django. But then he changed his mind and agreed to score The Hateful Eight. And then he said in an interview that he accepted Quentin Tarantino's request to score the film because he liked the script. I'm like, what? 
how would what but anyway and because tarantino gave him full freedom in the composition he also said that he considers the film an adventure movie rather than a western and as a result he tried to make the music sound completely different from his famous western scores and he based the music on the feelings that the script evoked in him rather than composing music for specific scenes because he only had a month to produce his score he added several pieces of music that he had originally written for the thing so he'd also composed the music for the thing which is a film from 1982 and then some of which had never been used he then finally gave tarantino five pieces of music which he could use in the movie as he pleased oh okay so that's so that's how they worked yeah that's how they worked it Right. So, so it wasn't specifically written like, okay, here's the scene and then they play it and then he no, no, no. matches it. It was just uh, from reading the script, how he felt. But I also, I don't think Quentin works like that because if you look at his previous films, most of his films didn't have original scores. They were previous, he, he mainly sourced uh, he music songs, yes. and would then um, That's true. only have a few cues. So he'd have that. That was obviously an original thing yeah. for like Kill Bill. But like mm. most of the music, he often will play like an old 60s song or mm. get an old band or band that does old 60s songs too. Song. Yeah, like mm. so he doesn't, He most of his films don't have an original score. Like if mm. you listen to music, you can't go, oh, yeah, that was the theme of mm. the you don't have no. the theme of whereas this film there was that very the the film the, the song that starts the mm. film that that one had like a very distinct sound to it and then it would come back and i know i think it was used to end the film and honestly that piece of music is the perfect piece of music for this movie because it's like there's like something's something's coming it's not good there's like sinister underlying tones you like there's lots of different characters it really, within it really helps uh, set the suspicion no it really did like it was it, for me the the music was and really gets good away with a five minute credit of like <laughs> no, I, I, landscapes and yeah you just like okay mm-hmm. that was the other thing that was different mm. was the the, the setting the the snow landscapes and I know that watching um like some of the producers and that they said it wasn't easy to film in but the crew really got together and like like really did the best because they were literally filming in snowy conditions and at some points normally at, they filmed in Col- Colorado and normally the weather there is quite bad but then for them they start filming and what happens it stops snowing right because that always happens you know when you need it to snow when filming so they actually had to like uh, halt production and they had a five day uh, shoot so uh, out of out of seven days in a week they would shoot for five days but it got to the point where literally they they needed it to snow and if it started snowing on Saturday or Sunday it didn't matter if it was Saturday and Sunday they literally pulled everyone together and filmed because they really needed the snow and I mean the whole film is set in a blizzard a snow blizzard so like the snow was was really important and those would have been a lot of the exterior scenes yeah yeah which was hectic yeah i mean if you look at behind the scenes footage mm. like it's snowing the like majority of it was uh inside yeah i love the big that 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 the part as well where they were like now the dog now the dog everyone's like nah, 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 nah. you have to put two planks of wood two two planks uh, get two planks and everyone's two, shouting two it at yeah. the same time exactly <laughs> kick it in what? kick it in kick it in <laughs> and then at the end you understand why the door ha- yeah. the, the thing doesn't work it's yes. like oh. but then also the cast and crew worked in a refrigerated set so obviously outside they were outside but when they were working in the cabin um, you'll see the ca- there was the cam- cabin and then the windows had blue screen on them so obviously all of the just the exterior shots were well as in from the inside the cabin Mm. that was just blue screen but they were in a refrigerated set and the temperature was 30 degrees fahrenheit which is one degree celsius Ah. imagine working you know yeah i die i actually would just i'd be done i'd just be like guys could i please be fired like i love y'all but when it's warmer just call me you know i i don't think i'd survive a one degree set every single day for five months because that's how long they shot for five months there's one a, 
There's That's a, longer than winter. There's a part in the film where Odie, right? Mm. Odie walks in. No. And then you're like, Odie, Odie, Odie. I'm not going out there. And then he's, he still pulls the blanket off. <laughs> and, then by the fire. and then he snuggles up to the fire like that. He wants something to eat. Not now. He's like a dog. He's like, <laughs> And he even looked like frozen. Like yeah. he looked like there was a layer of ice over but him. But his whole reaction. He's like, uh, would you like some stew? He's like, no thanks. Later. Warm now. <laughs> you know, type of thing. And then I don't know if you noticed because there was like, that's what I also respect about Quentin Tarantino and actors that work with Quentin Tarantino is oftentimes with the movie, it's like, okay, close up. All right. And cry. Cut. Done. Whereas with Quentin Tarantino, it's, there's a, 10 minute dialogue scene mm. and the camera stays on you for 10 minutes mm. and you're in the background lying by the fire. I don't know if you picked that up. And then at some certain point in the conversation, you know now you have to stand up mm. and then you stand up in the background. Because did you see him mm. stand up in the background? I actually didn't. I, he literally, you like, it makes you feel like you're not watching a movie. It makes you feel like, do you understand what I'm saying? It mm. gives, it gives, and I, Obviously, with Quentin, oh, like, there are... Uh, like Bob playing the piano. Yes. Like, you could actually hear him... Him playing the piano. Starting again, then adding on. And you could even hear him going... Ugh, yes, in the background. Yeah. yeah, so it's like really realistic. Mm. And then there are subtle references to Django in this film. Yeah. Firstly, when Major Warren is introduced, he's sitting on top of three corpses. Uh, that was... Samuel L. Jackson's character, and a saddle that was previously owned by Django, so the exact saddle. The second is Django's colored, green colored jacket is seen on the floor in Minnie's haberdashery, and both of these references have been confirmed by Samuel L. Jackson. And third, yeah. Walton Goggins' character is called a hillbilly. He was the sheriff in both films because he was also in Django. And the fact that, um, in fact, this film was going to be a sequel to Django, Right. But then Quinton scrapped that idea mm. and he actually, he didn't say this while doing press because he didn't want people to, because there was a lot of speculation that, that, that this was a sequel to Django, but he then later explained that in the earliest concepts of the story, it was a sequel to Django and that uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character, I think was supposed to be Django himself. But then he also started it. He he wanted to call it Django in White Hell, which I don't know if you saw in the last chapter. The one chapter. It was, um, I think, a black man in White Hell, obviously White Hull, referring yeah. to Samuel L. Jackson. However, he didn't get that far with the novel because he realized that it didn't work to have a character whose morals were known to the audience beforehand, mm. being in Django, um, nor a character you felt was fairly sure to survive. So you obviously didn't want to kill Django's character after. You know, Django survived Django. And then he withheld this trivia, though, from interviews until after the film's release because he was already contesting false reports that the movie would be a sequel to Django and didn't want further muddle earlier in the... in, in Basically, he didn't want the public to expect a sequel and then go and watch it and then be disappointed because now it's not a sequel. So he obviously kept that. And then also, because the script leaked before they started making it... Um, there was all of those different concerns. So he then decided to not go with the J D Django C uh, sequel. However, he has confirmed that this is in the same cinematic universe as Django. So it takes place in the same... Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. The time and... Yes, the whole thing of slavery and all of that. Yeah. And then the gory special effects were courtesy of the Walking Dead special effects guru Greg... So the, basically the guy who did the special effects for The Walking Dead in 2010, he did the special effects in this one. And he also did Kill Bill Volume 1, 2 and Django and Inglorious. So hmm. he... But the gore got to me. Honestly, this yeah. one, this this time around, I was just like... And also, the, <laughs> the way they beat Daisy up. <laughs> like, I know she was a murderer, and but like the violence that they, they inflicted upon her was, mm. was a lot. Like, because yeah. they would just punch her out of like, obviously she'd done something and to keep her in like check, they would, but it was hectic, you know, like her, her teeth were bashed out of her mouth because someone hit her. Like, that's a lot. Do you understand? Like, it's, so I, I did feel the, yeah the violence inflicted. The first thing that uh, this YouTube video that I watched, uh, which was everything wrong with, with the Hateful Eight and like, uh, 
Go actually go look for this video. It was actually quite interesting. But the first thing that they said on there was that that first, uh, when she took the first hit with, with a gun, with the gun mm-hmm, on her head, mm-hmm. um, the fact that after that she like got up and spoke while again, uh, a, a hit like that would have knocked her out. Yeah, I think she yeah. stayed alive too long. And then she, <laughs> she shouldn't have died. She gets knocked on the nose. And she's licking her blood off her face. Mm. Like, yeah, I know. So one of my favorite parts, though, of the film was when Quentin Tarantino narrated the story. Oh, yes. That was genius. It was yeah. so unique. Literally, you get to a chapter and there's Quentin Tarantino narrating the story at that point, telling you that was so... I've I'm glad never... he did that. For, for me, That it just uh, gave me confirmation about what exactly is going what's on. What's going on, yeah. yeah it just kind of confirmed a lot of stuff that I was like, wait, what's going on? Oh, oh, oh. Okay, great. Yeah, because I think it is quite a, a long story. Mm. Do you know that this film, it's no longer on Netflix. Obviously, Netflix now does that thing where it takes movies down after a while. But it was on Netflix in 2019. Um, and it, But instead of releasing it as a full-length film, what Netflix did, because the movie exceeds three hours, in, released it in four episodes, and each episode was about 50 minutes long. So they actually cut the movie into four different episodes and then released it like that but i've co- i actually found this quite interesting so what happened was when quinson made this film he filmed it on 65 millimeter film and then would release it on 70 millimeter film but now obviously all cinemas almost yeah all cinemas digitalized so they don't have like film projectors to show the film off of but Quentin wanted this film to be released on 70 millimeter so what he did was in the old days, he knows about this. In the old days, you'd have something called a roadshow. So when a big movie came out, what would happen is it would be released in certain cinemas. It would have extra time to it. So that you'd have the normal original cuts and then you'd have the, the roadshow cuts. And people would get dressed up. There'd be a limited audience. In fact, I think it was an, an, an invited audience. So you, it wasn't just anyone that would watch the movie. Then what they would also have, you'd get a poster. So it was like proper, like almost going to the theater. You'd get a like a booklet with obviously details on the, the film. And there was even an intermission. How cool is that? So you'd literally, and some of the actors even record like going to one of these where halfway through the film, there's an intermission. Everyone would go outside, get maybe like refreshments. Restock but then also talk about like what has happened thus far in ah. the film. And then after the intermission, they'd go back in and obviously carry mm. on with the film. And Quentin Tarantino, because of how he wanted the film to be experienced, actually did this. They did a roadshow. So they brought back that old concept of... Um, so it's not like it's not like movie premieres that's that we are accustomed to where like the cast travels from from place to place this was the movie was showing in this cinema for this selective time you had to be invited there it was a a a longer cut which most people wouldn't see because they didn't release the in fact we didn't watch the three-hour version we watched apparently it was on netflix it was. Or I looked on Netflix. It's it not was, on Netflix yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah, it's not anymore. But when it was, yeah. it was the, the three-hour version. Yeah. We watched the two-hour and 47-minute. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we missed about 20 minutes of the film. The, the it was in between cuts, right? So yeah, there's yeah, probably yeah. Little, little things. Added things here and there that then made it the three-hour oh, version. But how uh, for me, it's so... And apparently... The, because he filmed on the 70 millimeter, there was a special screen. It was like uh, it was a ama- it was an amazing thing to see, and also, you know, you get those big wide landscape shots that you mm. see in this. The the reason for that is because they filmed it the way they did, and Panavision, who had the lenses, ex- like it was a whole big they built they rebuilt and refurbished cameras Mm. for Quentin so that they could film it the way they did and they even so because he films on actual film yeah literally films it yeah he films it Mm. they had to and because he had Quentin likes long takes I mean, he has like extended dialogue and he keeps one camera like on you for that extended dialogue. Yeah. yeah. So that what they did was they actually built bigger magazine. Yeah. It's, they're called magazines, Full right? Magazines, Full yeah. magazines so that you could get more film on the ca- the mm. camera so that you could film the longer takes. So literally they, they like they reinvented and refurbished and created mm. cameras and 
what's the word like only tweet Qu- them only quinton and uh christopher nolan get a, get those special kind of treatments yeah because those are the two big directors that are still using like, film doing, doing the film thing and have a lot of respect for film and they still want to like revolutionize the yeah the whole film uh, industry. So for me, what I respect mm. about this film, the storyline was like, uh, the story, honestly, the story, it's not a pretty story at all by any means. It's actually, it's, the story's like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're like, I just watched three hours yeah, these guys worth of people dying. These guys got together a gang and then they had a slaughter overnight. And that is, the, yeah. So the story is not like anything special, but the acting is insane. The acting honestly is on another level. The, the, the whole set in itself, they filmed in very difficult conditions, being that that, that much snow, et cetera, et cetera, mm. and the fact that it was set in a, a snow blizzard, and then the film aspect of it, as in the, the cameras that they used and what they did to, to achieve and to film it the way that they filmed it, I think mm. was that was the amazing part behind the film. The only satisfying part that I would say out of this film, the only satisfying part is... Uh, the fact that the sheriff declined her. Yes. So for me, when that happened, I was like, because, I mean, the way that he started off, he was like, you're like, yo. I kind of want to hear her sales yeah. pitch. Okay. And then he like moves <laughs> close and he's like, wait, yeah. <laughs> then he even looked, like, looks back and the, like the angles that that, uh, that was even gotten, like you see him like considering he's going to, you know, shoot his, his friend. No, yeah. but then, then he says, I'm not feeling too well. Yeah. And falls, <laughs> you're just like, over. really? Yeah. And then, I don't yeah. know if you remember, um, in the beginning of the sure. film, so Kurt Russell is handcuffed to Jennifer for five months. They were literally handcuffed together because like the whole film, they are handcuffed together because he doesn't want to lose her. So at one point, Samuel L. Jackson, when she spits on the Lincoln letter, he punches her and she goes flying out the wagon. But then Kurt Russell goes, flying out the wagon with her because they they um Cuffed together and then he still says something like it felt like god was shoving off his arm or something like that but then after he dies she then cuts his arm off so and how was that you know when she's hung you the see her leg and then you see his the arm, arm. And i'm just like oh my that, yeah, talk no. about a bloody crime scene eh? but then the fact that he, that he fell over and Samuel L. Jackson is just like yo are you still with me are you and then that was <sighs> yeah I think I think it would have been satisfying if the two of if you knew the two of them survived mm. I think that would have been a satisfying How's ending that that? Yeah. I was really in my mind trying to put together why they would survive <laughs> there we go just trying to I was just something. like they died but that's it they're down there and uh, the saddest part of all is when you see what the place was like before, how Your, much life there was. Yes. I'm like, oh, and it was so nice to see Zoe Bell. So she was in Death Proof. She, she's, yeah. And she was Uma yeah, yeah, Thurman's yeah, yeah. stunt double. Mm. And she was in with, she was in this one. With her original accent and everything. Yeah. Her New Zealand accent. New Zealand accent. Yeah. So there was a, this is a director trademark where a character with a high off Basically, where a character has a high off-screen body count. So, both General Sandy Smithers and John Ruth, who, uh, that's um, the general, the, yeah. And then also, um, uh, Kurt Russell's character, both were notorious for having executed and killed many people, but neither of the two kills anyone on screen. Oh, yeah. Kurt Russell never kills anyone in the film. No, that's true. But even though he's known as the hangman, et cetera, et cetera, he, he never kills anyone on screen. Sure. And then this, this is insane. So I, I happened upon this video where it said actors who cost their, who basically cost their boss like an insane amount of money due to a mistake. And Kurt Russell was part of that video, right? I so I specifically went into it to watch it. So what happened was, Jennifer plays, her character plays guitar and sings. Which, uh, the song was actually very beautiful and she didn't know how to play guitar. When she originally went to do, she, she was supposed to just do like a makeup and screen test. Quentin says to her, do you know how to play guitar? And she's like, um, no. And then he's like, well, you can learn how to play guitar. I know you're a talented actor and you'll... So she literally learns how to play guitar for the film. Sure. There was another thing she learned to do, but I'll tell you now. But So she plays the guitar and then that specific guitar, they, it was, I don't know the name, 
names, but it was from a specific a specific guitar museum. Never mind, never mind, like it was in a museum, right? So it is it it was worth forty thousand dollars. And what happened was there was confusion where Kurt, what was supposed to happen was she was playing the guitar. Kurt wasn't informed. They were supposed to swap mm. it out with a prop guitar and then obviously Kurt goes and smashes the guitar against the wall. But he wasn't there was lack of communication, so he goes and <laughs> takes the, the the museum, the museum's guitar, from her, and then <laughs> smashes the guitar to smithereens. And her reaction in the film is her actual reaction because he wasn't supposed to smash that guitar. Mm. So, like, her freaking out was actually her freaking out in real life. Yeah. After that... So he literally cost them forty thousand US dollars. Apparently, Tarantino was just standing back, going, "Like, oh." He was just like, "Whoops, oh well." <laughs> I suppose that's the ni- he's a nice director, but apparently, the the um the head of the museum, the guitar museum, after that said, as a result of the incidents, the the company will no longer loan guitars to movies under any circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> so that museum will no longer loan any guitars to any film, anywhere, anytime, any... Because Kurt Russell, by mistake, smashed their $40,000 guitar. It's an 1870s guitar. Sh- Apparently, Kurt Russell felt so bad that his eyes welled up. Oh, serious. That's how. But now imagine, like, how much of a toss must you feel like for going and smash it? And you can't fix it. You cannot fix that. That is not something you can fix. You can't even buy it back. Like, I'm so sorry. Can I give you the 40000 Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, and you're not, not getting like it back. And it's not like insurance can just cover it. I mean, it's... it's, it's a, that's why it's in a museum. Yeah. Because there is no other guitar like it. So it's an antique 1870s Martin guitar. Lent by the Martin Guitar Museum. Yeah. And they will no longer. The Martin no Guitar longer. Museum will no longer. It says here that Tarantino was in the corner of the room with a funny curl on his lips because he got something out of it with the performance. Oh, wow. I wonder if he... I feel like he might have ensured Kurt Russell didn't get the message. I feel like this This sounds suspicious, Tarantino. you know. Tarantino. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so, also, Viggo Mortensen um, was in talks for the character of Jody, which was played by Chain Tatum, but he had to decline due to shed- scheduling conflicts. And then also Josh Brolin was rumored to have been up for a major role, but nothing... Josh Brolin, really? Mm. Wow. For, for those of you who don't know who that is... My favorite character in the, Marvel mu- in the Marvel... There we go. MCU. Thanos is, is the... So Thanos almost made it into a Quentin Tarantino film, but mm. unfortunately he mm. did not. And then another thing that Jennifer... Wait, wait, wait. Can we just think about this? Oh, no ways, but we don't know which character he was going to play. Yeah. It would have been funny if he was like the hangman, you know, because Justice, you know, yeah, Thanos. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. Uh, for me, it was also funny that he wasn't prepared to kill her. Like, he, he felt like he needed to work, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, that's what they called him, the hangman. The hangman, because he, yeah. He wanted to watch them hang. That that was the satisfaction of, of his work. Yeah. I must, enjoy, I must be honest, I enjoyed the return of Tim Roth in, because he, had, he hadn't Tim been Roth. in another Quentin Tarantino mm. film since Reservoir Dogs. Mm. I really enjoyed him. And then Michael Madsen, he's always, he's he's just such a character in a Quentin Tarantino film. So I enjoyed both of them. He's quite a Obviously, very specific character. He does. Like just, y- yeah. just, just his whole mannerism and the way he's just like and the way he talks he's got voice. such a distinctive voice yeah. Yeah. he's got a deep voice yeah. and then Kurt Russell it was nice to see again and mm. obviously Sam, obviously Samuel L. Jackson but then Quentin Tarantino said that Daisy became one of the most interesting characters because she's on the page but she's not on the page so she's always there but mm. she wasn't always like involved in the conversation but she was always there mm. and he said an actress literally needs to invest time in playing that character from beginning to end they have to get you to the last chapter because she literally did get you to the last chapter and it had to be an actress I could trust and also a performer who you'd enjoy watching her character work. When Jennifer came in, she was very impressive in the reading, but what really got me was I just started watching a bunch of her movies and he basically had a whole Jennifer Lee film festival where he just kept watching what? her movies after one after the other and he said... 
As he watched one, he couldn't wait to put the next one on because she's such an entertaining actress, especially about the time in the 90s. Um, she acted in a, a, a movie called Georgia, also Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle. And those movies were built around her. And her performance was the center of the film and everything was built around that. And that's why he said we needed her for Daisy. Mm. And if you think about it, I didn't like her. Mm. I didn't like her the whole film. I didn't like mm -hmm. her. But her performance yeah. was brilliant. And you know... I wonder how she is in person. She's sweet in person. So she doesn't have that whole southern twang. She like does sort of have a southern twang. twang. Like. But I think she 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 over exaggerated but she, but she it. She had like a rasp in her voice. She did. And she was very sure. So Quentin said to her, I want you to spit, but I don't want you to spit like a girl. Because yeah. we all know how girls spit, right? Yeah. yeah. So she, she, he literally said, I wanted, I wanted to be like a dot. <laughs> That's like, like, you must aim at a target and you must hit the target. So she literally not only had guitar lessons. I'm not joking. I'm not. I'm being spitting. serious. She had, she had spitting lessons. She literally, because she spat. I don't know if you remember in the film. I was yeah. still like, dang, girl, you can spit. Because like girls once. don't spit like that. That is not something. The first you, one she did was out her nose. Ah! Then the second one was the letter. But she she and there she might have been learned how to spit in the face. I didn't know she you could spit in the face. But oh. I didn't know you could learn how to spit. Like what is it to learn? <laughs> no no Ryan think think about a guy spitting. Do you, have you pictured it? Now imagine a girl spitting. When a girl spits, it just goes everywhere. There's no like, or it just drools down. That's that's a girl so spit. Let's be honest. So that's to bring someone in, or did the she guys? She had to learn how to I'm spit. I'm sure the guys <laughs> around like, ah oh, no, come on, say, ah, oh, come sit here. No, I think they got someone you in. From no, but then it's also about there. directing it. You and know, and make sure that you got enough, and make sure it's thick enough. The best thick is from here, so you got to. And no, then, but she's bad. Like then, she did a good job. And then round your mouth and make sure it comes from the back and not don't don't. No, but think about it, because like a girl naturally, a girl doesn't spit well, right? So when a girl's <laughs> when a girl spits well, what does it show you? It's often she's around guys. Uh, Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, and yeah. she was part of her brother's mm. gang, which and I think mm. she was the only female in it. Mm. But she really came across as like mm. boyish. Do you understand? And that's something often seen in westerns, you know? Yes. Why now? Why did you go with all that now? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> hmm? Yes. Yeah. Even you what it hits. It's a very, yeah. It's Westerns <laughs> are full of guys. Westerns, I think, are the most savage it's people. It's a natural thing, Cowboys yeah. are savages. I know that, like, you had often cowboys against Indians, uh, and the Indians were known as, like, the savages. Uh, but let's be real, people. Uh, cowboys were... They were savage people. <laughs> you know what I mean to think about is how everyone was walking around with pistols. Mm. Like it shows you what, what the age was like. Like why is everyone walking around with guns? Because they can't trust each other. Yeah, Because no. you you guaranteed to get robbed on the way. What is it? What? Why? What? Why? I mean, and two. And did you notice the direction of them? It's so they can grab them like this, like from the front. Not one from of the back. one of my favorite moments was after Samuel L. Jackson and the sheriff had been shot. So they're lying on the bed, mm. and then they're telling Chan Channing Tatum to come out from under the basement, mm. so that he's like, "Throw your gun out!" So you see this gun just come <sighs> out. Then Samuel L. Jackson's like, he probably has a second gun. <sighs> Tell him to throw the second gun out. So he's like, throw the second gun out. I don't have a second gun. If you don't throw that second gun out, we're gonna shoot you in three seconds. Second gun comes, <laughs> and then Samuel L. Jackson's like, "I told you I had a gun." I was like, <laughs> out of all of the the trauma this film put me through, that moment I actually laughed. Didn't you wonder why that why uh, why Channing Tatum's character didn't shoot from underneath and kill the other two guys? Which other two guys? So Samuel Jackson and the sheriff. He did shoot Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, yeah, so he shot Samuel Jackson. So why didn't he just shoot the other two from underneath? Which other two? So he shoots Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Then, then the whole shootout happens. In slow-mo. Then the only two that's left is Samuel Jackson on the bed and the sheriff on a chair. So while he was under there, why didn't he just then wipe, wipe, wipe out the sheriff? How big was the basement? Did it cover the whole floor? Yeah. Are you sure? It's a basement. We do not know the exact yeah, measurements of it. the basement. <laughs> I don't know. But that's what I was thinking. I'm like, he's under there. Ooh, ooh, they finished, they finished. And then they do that. I'm like, oh. Okay, cool. <laughs> He's dead. I'm good. He's all over her face <laughs> right now. <laughs> and then the fact that Samuel Jackson just blew his face off, I'm like, yep, there you go. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, these guys are going to kill you. Why keep them alive? Like, just get like, him up and just... 
the sheriff was brilliant though because he was I liked, I, I liked how he he ripped the Lincoln letter to shreds oh, yeah. which no one had ever questioned before mm. not even you as the audience that was so good he ripped part. it to shreds and then yeah. when she says there's 15 other men mm. Quinton had set up him already being that person yeah. that's able to to detect when someone's telling a lie yeah. and then he ripped that theory too yeah. so I really enjoyed that yeah so this film that's why i loved it but i hated it it was one mm. of those films where you're just like yeah and mm. it, it personally it doesn't go at my, the top of my list of quentin tarantino films but i'm glad i watched it and i respect them for making it i won't be watching that film again yeah you know not even if i get hold of the please the, if that two they hours, have a version <laughs> 2045 but like like i said the, the first three quarters was good like i, 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 could, I could literally count on my fingers okay there's only been five times they've sworn and there hasn't been anything too hectic. They actually, last fact, this was very interesting. So when the first shootout happens, it's at around an hour and 35 minutes into the movie. So there's no yeah. on-screen killing until mm. one hour and 35 minutes into the movie. And with the road, remember the road show where they would have intervals? Mm. That apparently, that would screen just before the the interval took yeah. place so literally what happened was there was no killing and mm. just before you would go um into the the in the intermission mm. now suddenly the first on-screen killing took place mm. and then break and now you're like what and now okay fine let's go get popcorn and then what's hell yeah so that that was cool i thought that was very it's the uh, avengers cliffhanger but you only had to wait 15 minutes not a whole year for the second part true there we go so Bricks. this we are done with our Quentin Tarantino marathon we until are. he brings out his tenth and final film. Yes, which hopefully is a good one. Yeah. There's a question. So, well, not a question. So, Sashi, what was your top Quentin Tarantino film? Can I give my top three? Go for it. Oh, my you got top, a top four. Three. My top four. Mm. <laughs> Kill Bill, both volumes. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Django and Inglorious. Inglorious might be at the top mm. of that list. Might be at the top. I think mine is Inglorious and Once Upon a Time. In Hollywood. Pulp Fiction Act 1 and 3 is there as well. Act 2 is not. Mm. Act 2 is at the bottom of the list. Act 2 is at the bottom of the list of Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Let us know what your favorite one is. What your worst one is. Mm -hmm. If you don't like Quentin Tarantino at all because he's below. too gory for you. Yeah. Yeah, but this has been the movie show. Until next week. We don't know what we're doing, but, but we will find something. Yeah. Yeah. Bullet train. We are doing bullet train <laughs> next week. <laughs> there we go. It's got Brad, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. And Channing Tatum. I like Brad Pitt. Brilliant. Awesome. Peace. Until then. And God bless. All the choices you made, did you make them again? again, again. Like what you're listening to? Of course you of do. Course you of course you do. Follow us on all social media platforms and engage with us. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. This is really on demand. What you want when you want it. It's Active FM. Active FM, the Netflix of radio, but better. But better. But better.